miss this shot. You're not just letting me down, you're letting your whole team down too. Hello and welcome to How I Would Have Written It, the show where myself and a panel of superfans take a movie or TV show title and each pitch how we would have written it ourselves. So tonight's tapestry to reweave is the Mighty Ducks Game Changers TV show. So before we go any further, I must add that even though we're like pitching our own version of the title, that's not to say that we're not fans of it, as in this case, we're all fans of of the Game Changers show. So before I go any further, let me introduce you to the panel this evening. So starting with the man with the biggest collection of Mighty Ducks movie screen-worn jerseys that I have ever seen, jersey-chasing legend, Duluth East's own Connor is with us. Connor, how's it going? Uh, after an introduction like that, uh, it, I couldn't be better. I feel great. We also have the hook, sword-wielding Mancurian, roller hockey's Adam Banks. Aaron is in the building. Aaron, how's it going? <laughs> Not too bad, mate. And obviously, we've got it prepared. Don't worry. We're ready. So no one bring up any crap tonight because sword is on hand. He'll stab himself. <laughs> 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 movie director illustrator toy collector if sylvester stallone was from sheffield he would be this guy theo is here theo how's it going again after that intro couldn't be happier the, the owner of the least amount of mighty ducks jerseys here but I'll, I'll take that the nicest guy that you will ever meet hailing from beantown the man the myth the sweep the leg legend jason is here jason how's it going no one's ever said anything quite like that about me. Thank you. We, I mean, I could end this now and be happy. <laughs> then that's it. We're good already then. All right. It's a wrap. Thank you, guys. And I'm Simon. So the, way, <laughs> so the way this works is I've assigned each of us a number from one to five. So we'll each pick a number and that will depict the order. So at the end of this, I will show you what the numbers were so you know that I'm not just, you know, making it up. But I think it's important that we you know, there's no straightforward order because there could be advantages to going first or going last or whatever. Who's the furthest out of Connor and Jason to where I'm sat right now? I'm guessing it's Connor. Yeah. Okay, Connor, as you have traveled the furthest through the internet, (laughs) pick a number between one and five. Three. Three? Three is Jason. So Jason, when you when you're ready, you will pitch your idea for how you would have written game changes. And then at the end of all of the pitches, in private via the chat function, you can send me directly which one was your favorite pitch and your second favorite pitch. Okay, so everyone right. will do this. And obviously you can't pick your own pitch. The favorite pitches will receive three points and the runner up will get one point. The winner and the runner up will be announced at the end. None of the other ones, because we're not here to shame people. Okay. So but that is not the most important part because we want to hear what everybody listening has to say. So the most important part is you have to put in the comments which pitch you like the best and what was your reason behind it. I mean, it's not really about it being competitive. It's just about hearing these pitches. But, uh, you know, we want to hear which one you want so that we can then get Theo to write and direct it and produce it for his next Slimehouse production. (laughs) The winner gets the Hawks jersey behind you. Runner-up gets Goldberg. Is that what we agreed? Are you talking to Connor? Okay, yeah, no, good. No, Simon. Simon. <laughs> the winner. <laughs> I better win then. <laughs> so, Jason, whenever you're ready, my friend, 
hit us with your pitch. All right. So I would absolutely go back and I would, first of all, call the show Bombay to make it more about Gordon Bombay's character, similar in the Cobra Kai vein, where it's mostly about Johnny. And it picks up with the beginning of the show kind of shows early on highlights from the trilogy of movies of how Gordon Bombay started, how he formed the ducks, just like kind of like a quick synopsis, sort of similar to how they do it in D3. And they show him kind of walking off after the varsity game. They show down with the varsity. And then they kind of show Bombay today where something happened. He's down on his luck. He's by himself. And really the show is about Bombay. And here's the thing is, I actually don't have a problem with a lot of what they're doing with Game Changers. Keep Evan, keep his mom involved. But somehow this focus is Bombay and they, we see everything through his eyes. Uh, we get to know why he's at where he's at after all the success. And through it, we also see more of the OG Ducks in more regular roles as Connie as a senator. Like he'll turn on the news and he'll see Connie making a speech. He'll, you know, maybe he needs lawyer help and Adam Banks is there. Maybe just different scenarios where the different characters appear in his life more. And because the one thing I, and I know we talked about this, I really feel like Game Changers as great as it is, is missing out on a lot of the nostalgia that they really could hit upon. So, yeah, I mean, it's not so much a big pitch, like here's scene by scene by scene, but I just would focus it much more on Bombay. I would call the show Bombay. It, and it would be his journey. And Evan and his mom and the other Don't Bothers would be definitely more the co-stars to Emilio Estevez. Cool. That make that makes sense. Um, short, sweet, to the point. I liked it. Yes. Do Do we have any any comments, questions from the rest of the panel here? I like the name definitely. As soon as he said I want yeah. to call it Bombay, I was like, yeah, that's dope. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think some of the cast members, the OG Ducks said have said in interviews that was originally going to be the name of the movie, the first oh. movie, Bombay. So just be kind of cool to like, you know, take it back. Use, yeah, even because even that has like a nostalgic twist to it, you know. His, uh, you know, kind of Bombay's character. I mean, the character arc in Game Changers, and uh, again, for the record, I actually really like Game Changers. It's uh, it's solid. It's uh, it's Disney Channel kind of kind of stuff. Um, where you know we we've talked about this even before. Originally, like Bombay, Jason, like you said, was going to be a little bit darker. Uh, and then they kind of like fluffed it up with with the kids and sort of brought that uh, you know um, underdog story. Uh, but having Bombay, you know, just so down in the dumps, uh, and then to have him like come back to a normal person, I thought it was just doing like, some injustice to the character. And uh, I, I think incorporating him more so and being more in his head versus you know him just being a part of it. I uh, totally agree. I guess for me. We're, I'm still not 100% sure how he went from, I understand he was part of, you know, he did something he shouldn't have when he was a college hockey coach, but did haven't really gone into like, why is he so down on his luck that he's eating cruddy cake from kids' birthday parties and he's just like stuffing his face like by himself. Like, 
certainly as a lawyer and then having all the success, I mean, he, he has to have some money there, you know, and it's just kind of like, there needs to be more. Like, I feel like there's so much of a story that, you know, we're not getting like, why are he and Charlie so estranged? Um, so that's what I would do. Excellent. What, any other comments on Jason's? No, I, I, I know I've not said anything. <clears throat> I agree completely as well. And Bombay has sort of, and Emilio Estevez as, as a, an actor, has like the star power within as a character and the, and the person to, to carry a series as well and to, to still be the, the lead in the main. Even though he's a director and, and filmmaker himself now, he can, he, I mean, like even in this series, like as soon as he's on screen, I'm sure it's the same for you guys that like, you pay attention, like you mm-hmm. know what he's doing and you try and pick up on the Easter eggs and, and more things in the background because there's just that interest there from, I guess, original fans. But yeah, there's there's definitely something there that <clears throat> we're, we're just not getting enough of. I think it's a bit more captivating as well because he took like a break from being like in sort of the more Hollywood uh, movies and he was doing like these more indie films. Like we haven't really seen him in these kind of like roles for a long time. So it gives more intrigue into it and more impact when he's on screen. So I definitely agree. I think, and I like, I like the idea of being called Bombay as well because it's kind of like a Rocky type esque to it, mm. you know, Rocky Creed Bombay. It's like that. Here's the guy that we're interested in. Um, and uh, when you started there, Jason, I was like, okay, <laughs> this is his saying my exact pitch, but then it went a different way. So, <laughs> But Jason, as you just went, can you give us a number between one and five that isn't free? Sure. How about number four? I, I knew you was going to say that. Number four is me. <laughs> hey, Simon, hold on one second. Do you mind if I take 30 seconds? My daughter's supposed to be in some piano lesson and she's not doing it. Yeah, go ahead. My wife is blowing up my phone. Sorry. That's cool, bro. That's funny. (laughs) Well, it's not funny, but it's funny. We'll we'll give him, we'll wait for him to come back. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Connie, you got this all to come at some point. Is it, how how long is everyone's? Because I'm like scared now. Mine's like ridiculously long and pretentious. Mine is a lot longer than that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's. I wrote a trilogy of films. Um, <laughs> I, I knew uh, Aaron uh, messaged me before this, and he's like, "So, you know, how long's your script?" And I, I knew there'd be a few that carry this. Um, Sorry about that. No, all good. Cool. And, uh, you know, I've, I'm going to do my best here, but it, we got brilliant minds, and uh, there's a reason why I collect jerseys and not write film. But we're going to do our best. <laughs> They're all they're all going to be good in, in all in their own way. It's all just yeah, yeah, of course, man. They're all coming from people that love this shit, man. So, absolutely. yeah, exactly. Okay, good. Go on, Simon. <laughs> okay, so here's my pitch. So the introduction. So to note before starting, and I've kind of written this of giving like the 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 outline of the first episode, and then just giving like the broad strokes for what the whole first season would look like. So before we start, all of the hockey is going to be shot with tension because that's one thing that I think is missing from Game Changers. They're trying almost trying to make it too realistic in some way, and it's like no, you know what? I want tension. I want the orchestra type music. I think that they. 
it what what I think is a really good example of is how they make TV for kids today versus how they made TV for kids in the 90s. And when you think about like movies that we all grew up on, like Bremlins and you know, Ghostbusters and these types of movies that really were kind of like terrifying, but in the perfect kind of way, you know, um, then, and but but they were like sincere in their approach. Like think about the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie from like 1990. It's like it was shot. It's a kids movie, but they're not treating it like with all this slapstick comedy in. And it's got the great score behind it. And so because of that and the practical effects and everything, it's long lasting. So I want to bring that into my Mighty Ducks game changes. So we start and very similar to how uh, Jason was saying Flash. And we have you missed this shot. You're not just letting me down. You're letting your whole team down too. I very, I very close considered to actually getting these like <laughs> sound bites and putting them in, but I thought, you know, okay, I, I, I want you to do it in the voice. I, I <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even good at doing inflections in my own voice. My own voice is flat, you know. So let alone doing accents. Um, Flash, you're not even a has been. You're a never was. Flash, Conway's triple deke to beat the horse. Flash. Bombay getting injured as a pro playing for the mini ha-ha waves. Flash, Bombay playing free bar against Wolf Stanson and getting his leg hit. And then Flash, we've got Judy the Cat saving Gunnar Stool's shot for Team USA. And then they're the champions. I didn't bother with the third movie. <laughs> Flash. I got goosebumps already, sorry. <laughs> well, that's good. Right, Flash. We close up on Bombay's face. It's present day, and it looks like he's stood in an ice rink. The camera pans out, but, but and Bombay is actually in a suit next to the ice rink. He is a lawyer for the NHL. He is touring a representative from Hendricks Hockey Apparel to re-up their sponsorship deal for the entire league for the next season. That's how much of a big deal Hendricks is in this universe. Yeah. The contracts get signed. The Hendricks rep asked Bombay if he'd seen that a clip of Dwayne Robertson roping an Iceland player in the Junior Goodwill Games 1994 had gone viral again on Instagram. So you were putting in these like modern day touches, you know. But the next related video on uh, on the Instagram page is a video of a peewee hockey player, like in modern, right now in present times, intentionally injuring a player on the other team during the peewee finals and causing a serious injury, all the while being guided to do so by his coach. And this was all captured on video and it's like gone viral. And Bombay looks at it and under his breath he says, the Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> Bombay heads back to his law firm and when he's there, he's called in by his boss and he's told that this viral video of the Hawks is damaging to the reputation of hockey and giving hockey a bad name. And Bombay is being assigned as a pro bono case to defend the Hawks coach in court to make this go away quietly. Bombay insists that he's a lawyer now and, uh, you know, it's clear that he's still bitter that he did not make it as a professional player. And as much as he's doing, you know, like the law contracts, you know, for, uh, for hockey, He's not interested in like directly being involved in the game. Is this going into too much detail? No, I'm nope. it. Okay. loving it. Yeah, I want to close my eyes and just feel watch like I'm this. watching the next film. Now that's I'm ashamed it. how little details I had. <laughs> <laughs> so Bombay resists at first uh, with his history of the Hawks, but Bombay eventually goes to Minnesota. But while he's there, he visits Han's old skate shop. 
uh, and he visits the frozen pond from the first Ducks movie and a flashback to his limo driving out on the ice. And as that's happening, the music plays. (laughs) It's important that we feel this moment. You see how important the music is? Like, why don't they have that going properly? Anyway, uh, Bombay goes to visit the Hawks coach. So this is the coach that's, you know, like gone viral and whatever, and finds out that this coach had been assigned to coach the Hawks under community service, which is like a little throwback to, you know, he, he got his DUI. And his conduct in the viral video, he's now been reassigned to do something else. So the Hawks are without a coach. Bombay goes to the Hawks practice to tell them that their season is over. And when he's there, he bumps into Adam Banks. Bombay learns that as the district lines have been redrawn once again, and due to modern gentrification, the Hawks players (laughs) are now made up of kids from poorer neighborhoods and they struggle with equipment and ability. Switching the roles around, switching them around. And Banks, he has a kid on the Ducks team. Banks actually went pro but he retired early because he had consistent wrist injuries. Throw back to D2. (laughs) Banks informs Bombay that the Hawks haven't won a championship since their loss to the Ducks in 1992. There are good kids on the team, but they just need guidance and some of that magic. Bombay sees some of the Hawks kids messing around in the same sort of way as the District 5 kids did at the beginning of D1 and we get flashes of some of the behaviour sort of like mirroring with like the flashes of the original movie and then, you know, current day. Bombay makes a phone call to his office and he says he's going to take some of his old leave. I have some unfinished business here in Minnesota. And as he says that, and this is like the, the end of the first episode, the camera pans out. He's in a diner. It pans out again. He looks across the restaurant and sees behind the counter, Charlie's mum. Sick. <laughs> we got the romance back. So as the season goes on, Bombay ends up coaching the Hawks. Uh, and this is where I'm going to go into start the broad strokes of the season now. Coaches the Hawks. He teaches them about fair play and basically to not be douchebag bullies and to play with humility. The Hawks, they have to learn to play the right way, the Bombay way. But guess what? Guess who the coach is for the Ducks? It is grown-up adult McGill. (laughs) No way. It's true. It happened. I'm making this happen. (laughs) It's true. It happened. (laughs) Um, But guess what? He's the coach for the Ducks, but due to a separation in his marriage, he has a kid, but his kid lives with his wife, and his wife lives in the other side of town, so his kid plays for the Hawks. So you've got, there's tension there, there's tension. And there's conflict there, and Bombay has many run, run-ins with adult McGill about his new style of play and, you know, many confrontations. But the Ducks, just like in Game Changers, they're a powerhouse team, and they're full-on douchebags now, as depicted currently in Game Changers. But they have the original green jerseys, um, but now instead of green, because they're the villains, they're in black and silver, which I think would look super dope, like with like the OG duck, you know, so someone make that happen. Um, Okay. Original ducks come back throughout the season to help Bombay with the Hawks. 
Conway, who is now the head coach for the Anaheim Ducks. Of course he is. He sat out of D2, the final, because, you know, Bombay always said he'd make a better coach than the player, and he followed that through all the way to the NHL, guys. Um, so he comes back and visits Bombay, and he reminds him what it means to teach the kids to fly, you know, in a in a Hans-type type manner. And Bombay is reintroduced to Charlie's mum, uh, and she now owns the diner that she used to work in. She worked hard. She made her way up the chain, and now she, she owns that shit. Um, and they start dating again. But there is a rift at times because Bombay has a lot of money and, and she doesn't. And that's important, okay, because Bombay, he's had his struggles with the hockey. It's time for him to settle down and let's see his relationships, you know. Um Goldberg, who now lives in Philly, he finally moved there. Uh, he flies in to help train the goalie. Fulton, Portman, Kenny Wu, they teach the kids about being brothers that bash people. Averman, he owns the last remaining blockbuster store in the whole of the USA, and he shows the Hawks <laughs> inspiring sports movies from the 90s. Jesse Hall, he, te- he teaches the Hawks the flying V, but as they're Hawks, they turn it into their own version, which I've called... The swoop and loop. (laughs) (laughs) And then Dwayne, of course, comes in and he teaches the Hawks roundup because that's important, you know, to have fun as well. So (laughs) as as the season climaxes, we've got Hawks versus Ducks in the playoffs. The final moment of overtime. Hawks have the puck. But they don't get that moment. They don't get where it's going to go into that moment where they're going to win. Because guess what? The Hawks lose because the Ducks cheat in the final minute of overtime. And the Hawks lose. But to end the season. However, there were scouts at the game. Scouts from the Junior Goodwill Games. And Team USA want some of that Bombay magic one more time for the second <laughs> season. And that's it. That's, Dope. What... that's amazing. Love it. Are you very, getting into very writing? good. Are you getting into writing, or is this just something like a oh, just a fleeting thought? I'll just I'll just write it down. <laughs> I think this is just one of the very, very few things in life that I feel passion about. <laughs> so, uh, I have a couple of questions. Let's get it. So, what is a pro bono? Pro bono is when a lawyer does a case for free for charity. Got you. Second question: Is Hans German? <laughs> I think he's from <laughs> Holland, isn't he? I've no idea. I just never known. And you brought him up, and I was like, "Is he German? I don't know." Uh, you always talk with that little bit of accent, so yeah. Um, that was that was my question, but that was fucking great. I don't know how we are for for f word f bombs, but I can Go redo that. That was bloody brilliant, my friend. <laughs> um, that was really good. I like that the Hawks need Bombay's help because obviously you go back to the very very first scene and he is a hawks player like through and through that's just that's that's bringing it home right there um, and there's blood. so much yeah exactly and there's so much continuity from the films it's just just great and of course if there was anything to happen of course averman would own a flipping blockbuster or run a blockbuster that is that's that's just i'll drink to that my friend <laughs> thank you man i uh, yeah, I 
Yeah, thank you. Uh, does <laughs> so anyone Simon, have anything else, or should we go to the next number? So, Simon, you, you kept with the theme, the Ducks are no longer the good guys, right? So that, that is a, a game changer slash uh, Simon rewrite uh, overlap. Um, why do you think that's important to do in this new series? That's that's a good question. Um, I was worried, firstly, that that was a bit like ripping off Cobra Kai, um, you know, doing it from the other perspective. But I think... Um, I like the idea of the Ducks being the bad guy because it's like you expect them to be the heroes and actually it's all about perspective. Like if they could have reshot the first Mighty Ducks from the Hawks perspective and you might see the Ducks as the villains and you think, well, the Hawks have spent all of these years training and actually, you know, showing up and actually putting in the work and they deserve to be champions because, you know, they actually, they've been doing this. Um, So I think it's just interesting to flip the perspective and it also seems like something that's very common like these kind of days. I mean, I would also was going to put in, but I thought it would just make it too long, but they definitely, because they're having... um, more female players like are more prevalent which is great i was thinking you could have um some sort of uh love struck sort of tension with some like ducks players and hawks players and you know things like that to sort of add in some of like a b plot in there uh but yeah i just i also i didn't mention but all of the jerseys are the same for every single team no jersey is different because all of the jerseys in the movies are perfect and some and when we get to season two if perhaps if we all really enjoy this we could do like uh i feel like i'm jersey asking right my parents in. if i if i can have like a friend to sleep over when i'm a kid you know <laughs> <laughs> but if we if we can if we enjoy this maybe we could do a season two what we would do in the next season you know but definitely trinidad and tobago are making a making Ooh. an entry and they're definitely wearing the exact same <laughs> so yeah but I, appreciate, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, um, I can't choose a number because I know the numbers. Uh, so, Aaron, do you want to choose a number, my friend? Two. Two is Connor. I felt it. I knew it. So, it's, uh, honestly, it's going to be tough to follow that up. I'll be honest with you. I'm going to go a different route. Um, although I do love Bombay. I love the character arc uh, of the D1 to D3. I feel like, like Jason mentioned, there's a lot to fill in uh, kind of within, within post, uh, you know, he works for Hendricks. Uh, now he's a coach, uh, gets in a little bit of recruiting trouble. Uh, yeah. Who hasn't right. Uh, to get, to get to where he is now, a lot to fill in there, but uh, my rewrite uh, and preface Anybody who's involved with Game Changers, I really like it. Max, uh, the character Nick, he is hilarious. He is just perfect. With that said, uh, starting it from Charlie's perspective, having Charlie be kind of the, we'll say, the the main perspective, everything else is kind of around him. And having maybe more of it be uh, you know, kind of the, the living as an adult kind of thing, uh, this would be kind of the break from, for the most part, Game Changers seems to be for kids uh, where, you know, Cobra Kai, there's a couple other ones where they sort of want to wrap in the, uh, you know, we'll say uh, 30 odd somethings that are, uh, you know, in a podcast talking about movies they like in the 90s, you know, as a, as a demographic. <laughs> um, 
but sort of having that be kind of the balance of, of having hockey still be kind of the main component, but you know, it's, it's Charlie's son uh, or Charlie's daughter that is you know, now on the team of age to start playing hockey. Um, having that again, be, be followed, maintaining kind of that relationship with Bombay, having some of that tension and having him be more of a, a late addition to the season versus kind of, you know, starting out in episode two or three. Uh, but th- that would be my main difference is now being Charlie being the one. And you sort of saw that in D3 where it was kind of his, uh, we'll say personal issues that sort of led the story. Uh, I, I think it's kind of a natural progression. Uh, and, you know, maybe there was some, some contract stuff, you know, uh, some other things that uh, maybe, maybe that, that was their original intent, but you know how Hollywood is, you guys. Um, but that, that would be kind of that main difference for me personally, uh, seeing that change. Then I think it's easier to incorporate. And then one thing I think they've done well is you know, bring in some cameos, but having more of those roles, Jason, you mentioned it too, Simon, you mentioned it, having you know, sort of a, not a, Hey, here we are on camera. It's, you know, Connie is somebody who they work with or comes into an episode. They have a, a conference, you know, a sort of, well, we'll say a conflict that they, uh, you know, overcome having them be parents, even of other teams, you know, Hey, we, we, uh, we moved and now we're in, you know, we're, we're on the Huskies. My, my son's on the Huskies, uh, very underrated Jersey. If we're going to get into that, uh, in, in D1. Uh, but, you know, ha- having it, not necessarily everything's all perfect. We're all on the same team. You know, everything's the same as it was, but sort of having those pieces of, uh, you know, kind of the ducks as they're older, um, not necessarily having these perfect lives. And uh, again, everything, everything's sort of in line, um, sort of having conflict within those characters as they grow up and, you know, seeing, um, you know, Averman, uh, even in this story, I'll, I'll steal Simon's idea. He could still own a blockbuster. I'll that. That sounds actually pretty funny to me, uh, but having having those sort of we'll say character branches out uh, instead of having a sort of an all new cast. Uh, with that said, I still think there's room in the game changers to sort of incorporate that from the outside in. Uh, I'm still holding out hope that Charlie shows up, uh, you know, in uh, the end of or, or comes to the game, the championship game or something, and you know, hey, hey, we moved back or, or something like that, um, but. I think the the main focus again being on Charlie brings that you can go a bunch of different avenues and um, maybe uh, appeal uh, to the the thirty somethings that are still talking about it. Yeah. One of the most important pieces, though, uh, and Simon's mentioned this a couple times. Every time there is the dramatic music from the Mighty Ducks, D one, D two, D three, uh, like you, you can feel it. And they did it in the last episode. It was like, oh, just do that more often. Just <clears throat> you to do that every every time. Uh, there's a couple times where that's been just spot on. Um, I think the music, if there was a little bit more, um, and that's not really a script reader, right? But uh, more alignment in the orchestra music. Man, I, I again, I'm holding out hope for the championship uh, in the states, as they call it, or the tourney. Um, that would be. Mm, perfect i love that i love i love the idea of it being from charlie's perspective i actually i thought that would be a great way into it as well like if they 
if say if they couldn't get Emilio Estevez, which would have been sad, but if they couldn't, they could have had like like you just said, Charlie in the main role and then Emilio coming in like Bombay, like in like the Hans kind of role, sort of coming in and mm. giving him the wisdom and just sort of, you know, dropping in and out. Uh so yeah, I really like that idea. I think that's uh that's really cool. Great pitch. Yeah. I agree. I think um like you mentioned, Connor, with D1, D2, D3, it was sort of, it was Charlie's story going all the way through. And then to not have him in Game Changers was a little bit strange. But I think if we did have him, it might be a little bit overpowering, which is where Bombay suits it a little bit better now. But yeah, I mean, I agree. Having Charlie in would be, it's it's like the missing link for, for the 30-somethings. And, and maybe even the, I mean, I'm sure it would be strange for teenagers or kids watching the films now to see him as a child and then go straight to Disney plus and watch him. And he's, you know, 20 something years old. And he's like, is that the same guy? He sort of looks the same. I'm sure there'd be a, a weird feeling, but yeah, I mean, he is the the missing thing, isn't he? Called Disney adventures put out by Disney and they actually announced the D4. Do, you, do any of you remember that? Mm-hmm. Nice. And it, so Disney was like announcing D4 was going to be made in it. The synopsis was not, don't quote me exactly, but it's almost a quote. It said, Charlie Conway is now grown up, but not acting like a grown up. And after getting sentenced to community service, he chooses to coach a, um, a hockey team where um, it's much more difficult than he envisions, where he then he calls on his old coach, Gordon Bombay, to help him. That's what Disney actually announced as a D4. Um, but this was like years ago, like 2005. Uh, okay. That would be good. That's basic. Yeah. That was basically some of like Connor's pitch there. Um, we, you know, a little bit twisted. I think that would have been that would have been great. For the record, I'm not saying Connor, you took it from the Disney Adventure magazine. Like nobody knows <laughs> what that magazine is. He's got it, it was, lined up just behind the camera. It was, it was like reading. this really short little magazine. Like it was physically this small magazine that they sold at oh, like grocery stores. I, I store remember. I know exactly what you're talking about. That's awesome. Did did you guys hear what the original um, the original uh, screenplay for D three was about? Where it was actually going to be two parallel timelines, and they were going to get um, wait, is it Martin Sheen or Michael Sheen? Emilio. I mean, Esmer's Michael dad. Sheen's his dad. Martin. Martin. Yeah. Is it? I thought Martin. it was Michael Sheen. I think it's Martin. I'm pretty sure it's Martin. Mister Sheen. Crazy. Miss <laughs> Senor Sheen. Well, Emilio Estevez's dad in real life was going to play uh, like old age Bombay. Um, and the idea was he was on his deathbed and the ducks like were going to come as like, you know, sort of middle aged characters. And then as they're like speaking to Bombay, as he was on his deathbed, they were going to uh, reminisce about when they played Iceland again. They played them in, in an uh, like later on as like a... Uh, annual i don't know like a ceremonial game or whatever where the ducks played them again and then you got the original ducks playing in this other timeline and um for some reason disney passed on that <laughs> Listen, way ahead of their time clearly yeah. and just just to apologize i've got my laptop here i do google it it's not michael sheen he's a i think he's a a british actor um so my bad, and that's terrible because I met Martin Sheen like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, does uh, anyone have any other comments or questions on on Connor's pitch? 
No, I, I really liked it. And I'm not just saying that just to be like, oh, I really liked it. I really did like it. <laughs> yeah, me too. It was good. And yeah, it was dope. My, <clears throat> I don't know whether this is the time to say it or not, but and Simon, maybe you and I talked about this. My, But my official prediction is there's going to be a cliffhanger at the end of the next episode, which is the final one of the season that has Charlie Conway. That involves Charlie Conway. Like, have you guys all watched Cobra Kai? Yeah. You know how um, they show Johnny's phone and Allie requests to be his friend? Yeah. yeah. I think we're going to see something like Bombay's phone and Charlie Conway called it. Or maybe Bombay looks up to the stands after the state championship and Charlie's just kind of like looking down at him or something like that. I don't know. I'd love it if they did this. I'd love it. The joke's going to be on you. What I just said is going to be exactly season two. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, I take that season. That's, that's what great. it is. Well, they That'd said that great. the reason why they couldn't get Joshua Jackson is because of having a baby and COVID. But otherwise, like he's been involved since the inception of it. So we'll mm. see. Listen, that's... Disney are really good at this stuff. They can they can yeah. hide things. And and fill, you know shipped him in last week to do two scenes, and he'll be in the final episode before it's aired, potentially. That's oh, that's a possibility. That, oh, yeah, <laughs> we can hope. Well, we will we will find out. Hopefully, if they get renewed for a second season, um, and then we hopefully we'll see Connor's season play out. I'd love to see it. Uh, well, we have two numbers left. We have one and we have five. So, Theo, what do you want? One or five? I'm going to go number one. Number one yeah. is Aaron. Okay. Right, just just before you go, just so you guys know, the one to five was just alphabetical. There we go. Okay. Flipping How's that stormtrooper doing, Jason? Ah, he's great. Does he have a name? Uh, I don't know. What should I name him? Stormy. I believe when you had him on the show and you were saying he's a bit short, you didn't quote the language because aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? So it's essentially made for us. It's made for, for original Ducks fans, which is probably a bit of a disservice because... I mean, Disney are getting this whole big um, new audience for for game changers, and I, I like like we've all said, like game changers is really good for for what they're doing. Some of the characters are great, um, and the, the the story arc seems to be sort of progressing as a series should. It's not they're not jumping from you know just winning one thing and then they're international superstars next. Like it, it, it's going at a good pace and it's really enjoyable. But this is like, forget all of that. It's all gone. Like, it doesn't even exist in this world. Um, so, <clears throat> brace yourself. <clears throat> so this this follows the story of, of Banks and Conway, who both now work for the Ducks as professionals. Banks is a player and Conway is the head of player relations. I don't know if that translates into American, but he's just the guy that players speak to when they've got issues. So... We spend the the first two episodes understanding what they do and and how they're both underappreciated and they hate their time because they essentially have like token jobs for being inaugural ducks um, and that they're kept around for for novelty essentially but they've got life not lifetime contracts but what seems and comes across as as lifetime contracts so. In this episode as well, as, as part of the B story, we're introduced to like a, a detention center 
I've not fully fleshed this out or anything, but the detention center holds kids. Like, um, again, I don't know which sort of language this translates into, but it, it looks after kids that can't go into prison yet, but they're naughty shits. Like, um, so, <laughs> Fulton would have probably. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so we, we just, we just sort of get story of these guys working at the ducks and being there and then bit of the detention center and a, uh, two specific characters, but I've only sort of given story to one so far. Not so far. I'm not going to carry on writing this after this, but <laughs> for, for the sake of this, uh, I could call, I could call Jerome Hall, um, in, in the detention center. So third episode, uh, we sort of start with footsteps down a hallway and discover it's a hospital and Charlie's visiting his mom, break out the tissues. Uh, so we quickly find out she's got cancer, which is shit and deep. And it's again, quite adult and not very Disney, but this is made for us. So we're throwing all that kid shit out the window. Um, before he walks in, uh, a doctor pulls him to one side and, and he explains that the situation's getting worse and sort of gives him a leaflet explaining, like, you know, how things go. Here's what we can do, blah, blah, blah. Um, so Charlie goes in to see his mom and having the conversation that he just doesn't like being at the Ducks. It's <clears throat> it's not fun. It's not the hockey. It's not the hockey that he loves and remembers or anything. And it's it's not like being at the Ducks, even though he is at the Ducks. <clears throat> um, sorry, getting a dry throat. Is this oh, how yeah. you're going to pitch it to? Is this how you're going to pitch it to Disney with the little beer breaks? Oh, I hope. Hundred percent. Me and Steve Brill are going to be sat there with a case of Coronas and all sorts. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So his mum reminds him like how he's still great at anything he does, like any mum would, right? So um, she's just about to call him the Minnesota Miracle Man, but Charlie stops her and and just sort of gets annoyed by it because he's not fulfilling what he wants to do. Um, so Charlie sort of spends the rest, rest of the episode um, wandering from place to place, just a bit mind-blanked, um, just to places that bring back memories, <clears throat> especially for us as well. So like the square, the the pond, all things that we, we'll recognise from, from the films. Um, sorry. Uh, and then he eventually gets to the diner where his mum used to work, where he wants some food. And he ends up bumping into into Banks' dad. Um, and Banks doesn't speak to his dad anymore because he after the, the whole situation, obviously, end of D1, Banks' dad was supporting the Hawks still. His brothers play for the Hawks, or he did do. And he was probably had some sort of investment because none of the other parents had one of them fancy jackets, right? So... <clears throat> Um, yeah, so they they don't they don't get on anymore. Um, and Mister, I, I don't I, I never got his first name, so I'm just gonna call him Mister Banks. Uh, Mister Banks like sort of asked for a little of Charlie's time just to see how Adam's doing, and then it cuts to Banks. He's sort of being forced to play games for the reserves and like the uh, the second team, third team, and they're not very good, but he's expected. To, to do so much because he's such a good player because he's sort of getting on the older side of things. He's, he's just not in the first team. Um, it's obviously struggling and it's taking his toll. And then that's the sort of end of their days. And then they both meet up for a, a drink. Cue. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, back on Dave's. Um, Banks sort of hobbles into Charlie 
um, sat at a table with half a bucket of beers. He's, he's made his way through and Adam starts to air his frustrations of the day and, and, and Charlie explains that his mum's cancer's getting worse and et cetera. So Adam starts to feel a bit stupid. And then Charlie starts to mention that he he saw Adam's dad today. Adam starts getting a little annoyed. They're, going, they're having a bit of back and forth bickering. Um, they go on drinking and then it gets to the point where the barmaid comes over and says like, look, guys, you're too drunk. We can't keep serving you. And then they're like, whatever. Go get the manager. So they get the manager and off camera, you just hear, you guys are on the wrong side of town. It's Averman. Not something he would say or has says, but it's Averman. Shock. Um, so the next end, end episode, pick up the next episode where we left off. But the bar's closed now. It's just the three of them. They're sat around the table having beers. Averman is telling them, <clears throat> how he came to own the bar through like uh, ownerships with silent investors from the state and why it's called Dave's. He clears up Dave is his middle name and he used, <laughs> and he used it when he came to Minneapolis because uh, he was embarrassed about Lester and he's not used less since leaving Eden Hall. He's Dave. He is Dave. Um, the bar, the bar is full of sports memorabilia and trophies because he sponsors a state league and teams and, and gets involved with things. And Averman sort of like just has to take him through the journey of reminding them that they're two of the best things that come out of Minnesota hockey. Um, and if they really love it, like they should just leave the Ducks and, and start their own team and have fun again. So they leave and Adam jokingly sort of suggests like, where, where would we even find players on a pond? It's not even like we've got community service and just get given players. Um, and then Aven, Averman still trying to like suggest that they do it so he's like you, you should just find people that need hockey because you clearly need it but other people need what hockey would give to them anyway we cut to the detention centre <clears throat> where it's sponsored day so if you get sponsored by an employee you get released under their supervision some people are leaving some people are coming back you just like, couldn't stay out of trouble Jerome from New York puts his name up for sponsorship um, and some sort of, some people <clears throat> just sort of like dampen his hopes and say like, look, it, we've, we've been on the list for seven months. Nothing happens. You just like nothing happens. Um, so <clears throat> we cut, <clears throat> excuse me, we cut to Charlie's office. Banks walks in and says, you called for me. You couldn't just text me, like sending people to come and get me now. Just only joking. Um, but Conway has like a serious look on his face and says like, I think we should do it. We should, we should do the, the state league. I've not decided whether it's a, like a pub league yet or like a sort of lower level, just a whatever league. So anyway, they're going back and forth about, look, we're under contracts. We've got families. We need to, like, we can't just, or I can't just make this decision. And, but Conway is like, I'm doing it. Like, come with me like in D3 where um, where Fulton's like I'm going back to college like we can't just keep doing this Conway's still got the mentality of like follow me like don't leave me to do this alone so anyway they they part ways <clears throat> Banks stays stays playing and, and Charlie just sort of hands in his notice or hands in his resignation and, and leaves um and then next episode starts with Jerome in detention centre, blah, blah, blah. He's getting into fights and stuff. And then we cut to Charlie. And he's, he's with his mum. 
Um, and he's explaining like he's starting from start, scratch. He's really excited. And he's got a bunch of things to do because the league registration uh, needs to be submitted like fairly soon or the team's submission needs to be submitted soon. And then you get episode filler of, of like Banks with the reserves playing with them. Um, and Charlie goes to meet up with Averman to list out all the things they they need, like essentially laying out the plot for the rest of the next episode. Um, so Averman lists out like you need players, you need a rink, you need equipment and you need a kit sponsorship. Avon brings up a, a, a bunch of references, like, again, just, just sort of Easter eggs for us. So when he's like, you need players, remember? You found a guy in the middle of LA, in the middle of a tournament, like, when we needed him most, like, you can, you can find players. Um, and he's like, you need a place to play. We had a pond. Like, I'm sure you're going to be able to do better than that. Just, just loads of little things like that. Um, but the kit sponsorship might be a bit of an issue, but like you, you just cross that bridge when you get to it. And then Conway is like, when when I get to it, or when we get to it, and everyone's like, no, 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 this is this is all you. I'm I own a bar. Like, do you think I was just going to come with you? We're adults. Like, what are you on about? Anyway, um, well, on top of that, Averman throws in. Uh, I can help, but let's be honest. I had no playing. I had no business playing for the USA after wearing a cardigan for a uniform two years ago, <laughs> uh, two years before. Sorry. Um, so Averman hands Charlie the newspaper and points out the sponsorship deal with the detention center and says, "Look, I had two kids a year um, that that come and live upstairs and they work at the bar. So that sort of encompasses the story B to story A. That's that's their link. So." Charlie goes to pick two kids out. It sounds like a, a, a dog um, rehoming center, doesn't it? <laughs> Just going to pick two kids. Um, but Charlie's running it down the list and um, nothing's nothing's sort of standing out to him. And then he gets to a, a J Hall nine months. So J Hall nine, like Jesse Hall number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, nine months being the, the time he'll require sponsorship for. Um, so it's sort of like a hockey season, I think. I mean, that's how long the football season, soccer season runs for for us in the UK. So I'm just sort of making that link. Um, they meet, everything's sort of frictional, but but everything feels right to Charlie. So he's like, fuck it, I'm taking this kid. Oh, screw it, I'm taking this kid. Um, I'm going to give him a chance. Um, sorry. Just going to scroll down. Just, like just for fun. Through. Oh, just a little bit. <laughs> Um, just one of the lines that uh, this this Jerome kid throws in is is like so uh, so you picking up kids to sponsor to play for your made up hockey team, man. You really want to have your cake and eat it, huh? But yeah, silly lines just I'll to throw in, just for yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. Next couple episodes is just like the kids are just into the outside and, and working on the bar, um and essentially like learning a bit of hockey and just, just the basics. Um, so Charlie then finds the ice palace, but deals with the receptionist to, to put practice time in and, and sort of find out information on, on kit to use um, and gets training with the team and, and just a bunch of random players enough to, enough to scrimmage or, you know, just, just make training sessions and, and sort of make it worth it. And then it gets to a couple of days before registration and, and Charlie doesn't have a full team. He's just like put everything into this, left a professional job at the Ducks, and it's just it's it's gone downhill. So he's he's drinking typically at Averman's bar again. Q. Um 
explaining to Averman how like how just nothing's worked. Um, and Averman, in typical Averman fashion, says, "Ah, Charlie, uh, maybe you've forgotten how to recruit players. Why don't you take a look at my menu?" So picks up the menu and says, "Like Dave, Dave, I don't think I don't think drinks are going to help in this situation." He said, "Just just just read them." So Charlie starts to read them out, and he's got like cocktails. He's got the woo woo woo. He's got the I'm no girl. He's got the Bash Brothers. He's got the last minute winner, and he's got the cake eater. And then Averman starts to just have a bit of a singular, silent dialogue of being the best sports bar in town. I get people coming through every now and again, so I thought you could do with some help. And then someone starts banging on the on the bar, and you just say, "Don't you know?" Everything's on fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fulton and Portman are there, chilling. Have a have turn around, have a beer. They come over, and then um, you hear someone shout over. Have you lost the old ducks whistle? Connie's a few table back, having a drink with um, Kenny Wu and Guy. Um, and then Averman says, "Like I'm, I'm pretty sure my uh, my local pastry delivery is due any second now." In walks Julie the cat. She's a she's like a pastry artist genius in real life right now, right? I think so. Oh, okay. Just just making like a real link there. Um, and then like all of them like hugging, rejoicing, and stuff. And then we sort of get a cut to Adam, still with the ducks, still annoyed, still getting treated like crap. Um, and then we we head back to head back to the bar. Drome and the the other kids sees how like happy everyone is to like see each other and, and they start to their their characters start to break down a little bit. So or the shell of the character starts to break down a little bit. Um so it's a bit more welcoming. And then I think Charlie says, uh Averman, you you've got cake eater on the on the menu, but Adam isn't here. And Averman's like, Yeah, that was a tough one. But uh but the drink's not named after him. And then you just hear Look at this suit and tie, cake eater. Terrible accent. But Jesse walks in. Um and Charlie's like, Averman, you you you've done me a solid. You pulled this out the bag. Like you I don't know, I don't know where you found all these players from, all these people, but you've done me a favor. So they're all catching up, talking about old times and, and whatever else. And they all say, like, look, we're we're gonna come and play for play for you. Um, but everyone's got commitments, everyone's got kids and families and jobs and other commitments so not everyone can make every game I'm just sort of you, you I mean that was the big pop of the like the the series sort of thing so bringing them back in I think we if we just threw them all into one game it just wouldn't have the same effect so you've got to like spread them out of games like a couple of players here a couple of players there anyway um Julie mentions a, a husband might be able to play. And Charlie sort of jokes and says, like, I hope he's got a triple D copy sleeve. And she's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's got some fancy moves. How do you think he got me? Foreshadowing. Anyway, move on. Next episode. Um, Charlie gets the team registered. Character development for Jerome and the other kid. Charlie visits his mum more. Banks find up. This, this episode is more about Banks. So he essentially agrees to meet his dad after however long and they, they sort of iron things out after arguing for for ages and his dad just grovels and apologises. 
Frank explains that he can't afford to leave the Ducks, but he hates it there now. And and that sort of scene ends there. Um, next episode, or that episode ends there. Next episode, the league starts. Hockey-heavy episode to make up the lack of gameplay. I'm sorry. We're getting there. Don't worry. Um, and the announcement of the team, the, the big announcement from this episode is, is the team will be called District 5. They can't call themselves the Ducks. The Ducks are a professional team who they just come from. Like, it just doesn't happen like that. And then at the end of this episode, Banks finally like just hands in his notice at the Ducks and it ends there. Next episode, Banks turns up to play for Charlie's team and is met by like lawyers, the Ducks lawyers, who tell him, like, but you can't just retire from hockey and then go and play hockey for a registered league. Like, it just doesn't work like that. It's illegal. Um, so if you go and play, look, we're going to take you to court. We're going to rinse you for everything you've got. And and Banks just sort of like brushes them off and, and goes and plays. Because he's, he's, he's like, you'll, you'll get the feeling like he's just had enough. So, um, Next episode, D5 are terrible and the new kids are struggling. The episode ends with everyone just exhausted and injured because everyone's old and and just not hockey players anymore. Not not in a terrible way. Like we're still gonna get good hits from like uh Fulton Reed and Kenny Wu and like they're all gonna sort of have their moment but just not cohesive and it just it's just not gelling as as good as you would hope. Um so anyway, he brings the kids on and the kids get this like story art within this episode for, for them to become more important players because it's not just about the old guys. Um, and then Charlie, Charlie isn't a player, by the way. Charlie is the coach. So Charlie gives Jerome this play, like, look, you do this, you do this, blah, blah, blah. Goes and gets the winner. All, all the success goes to Jerome. Um, and Banks couldn't play because he was at court Next few episodes are like the knockout cup games, um, which D5 get through. Again, I, I know the pacing of this is all over the place. I, I just, I didn't write it all. But anyway, so the next few episodes are the knockout cup games, which D5 get through. Uh, but they they seem to like lose a player each game to, to, to more injuries like Gee, Hall and Portman are all out uh, and the semifinals next. But the kids have been doing all the winning, so it's, it's sort of balancing out. Um start of the next episode, Charlie's with his mum at the hospital and she she's getting really weak. Um, and he starts to explain like how he feels he's come full circle and helping these kids is so important and how it's not over for them like when the sponsorship is up. But they're down on players. The the the, D, the D5 story isn't so, going so great and he's just like desperate for the kids to feel the same feelings that Charlie had as a kid because they deserve it even more. And then his mum finally gets it. And she says, like, you've already been, like, the spirit of the team and that's what's made you a champion. You wear your heart on your sleeve and people like Bombay and Coach Orion saw that. And that's why they never gave up on you. You motivated this team to do everything they've done and they can do anything. You had a real Minnesota miracle, man. And they both hug and the camera face the black. Reminisce over old times, blah, blah, blah. So Banks is speaking to his legal representative outside of the courts on the phone, um, just saying, like, you know, we're going into court, like, where are you? Um, and they're just like, look, someone's going to be there shortly. And still with the camera on Banks, we just hear a voice saying, 
Mr. Banks. And then Adam turns around, cut, cut scene, goes to black, cut, cut to Charlie on the phone trying to fix the player situation. And he's on the phone to Julie saying, look, we're really down on players. I know you said your husband can play. Like, is there any chance he can play in the semi-final and the final if he's if he's not busy because we we, we just need him? She's like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll ask. He puts the phone down, banks bursts into the locker room just before the game with his dad and says, I'm in. Charlie's obviously surprised. He's like, I thought you didn't speak to your dad. And he's like, look, we've sorted it out. The team are all starting to get excited and cheer. And he's like... Your, your dad fixed this? And, was like, and before Banks could even answer, we hear Adam Banks is one of the original Mighty Ducks. He made he made the team millions in shirt sales, jumped through hoops for the team, and has been loyal since day one of joining. Even if it was reluctant, he did his duty. I reminded them what exploitation is to someone so publicly loved, and they backed down. Bombay? In walks Bombay. <laughs> Charlie's dad rang my office and asked for the best sports defender. He wasn't in, so they sent me, i.e. Bombay. Uh, he then proceeded to, to write a check, but I let them know it had already been paid in advance. $12,489, to be precise. Paid by a Mr. C. Conway to Ice Palace Independent. Also, here's a check for that same amount. Consider it a loyalty rebate. I own Ice Palace. I just let Han's grandson run it. I also co-own Averman's Bar as a silent investor. So, Jerome, you got a full-time job waiting for you when you want it. I also see you didn't get my letter about the kit sponsorship too. So I had Hans Jr. ship it over in a mm-hmm. car. He's got a big box, green jerseys, yellow strip, purple strip. But it doesn't, it doesn't have the Ducks. Well, it could have the Ducks logo, but it's got D5. But it's the same colors. Um... So Charlie's just a bit like overwhelmed, like unbelievable. All this time, you didn't say hello. And he just said, look, Charlie, I had to let you be your own guy. Like This is sort of like a break in the fourth wall. This is your story. It was never about me. You had to become a man without a dad around, without anything. Like this is this is about you, as it always was in the films. Um, so they go out, win the game. Final episode is next. So we start with Charlie in the car with Bombay on the way to the hospital. And it's all very emotional. And when they get over there, the doctor says it's like it's a matter of days. It's all like very sad and as it normally is. Um, they leave and it's like a they leave the hospital and it's like a very cinematic sort of last goodbye, which is awful. But that's how it is. So we cut to the locker room before the final game. There's loads of other things like filler in between that episode. Uh, cut to the final locker room. Uh, and Julie the cat calls and says, like, look, I can't make it. The kids broke his arm and I'm playing football. But her husband is on the way with a goalie friend. So Charlie's just like stressing out, like, kind of players. Like, this, everything seems to have sort of peaked at the last of the end episode, of the last episode, sorry. And there's just there's no more luck that can come their way because they've they've had it all in the last episode. Ten ten minutes before they're due to play the final. By the way, I haven't thought of the villains and the opposite teams or anything like that, but that can be sorted. Um, ten ten minutes before they're due to play, the ref comes in and just says, "Like, look, we're going out in ten minutes." I, I'd like to wish that we could get the same refs just for 
just for nostalgia. But anyway, um, Bombay, Bombay uh, like reminds a, a stressed Charlie like how good of a player he was, and proceeds to like convince him to lace up after everything that's happened. You've been made to leave from the front. Get your skates on, kid. Charlie starts to get ready, and there's a knock at the door. Banks answers, and he's shocked. Like no one can see the person other than Adam. Like half opens the door, and he's like, "Julie's husband." Gives him a massive hug, and all you hear is, "Where is Captain Duck? Flipping gonna stall, mate. No messing about. Blonde hair." Same blonde, same long blonde hair walks in, and and Charlie's just like, what? Just just completely like mind blown. Obviously foreshadowing from earlier. By the way, of course he's got some fancy moves. He's got Julie the cat, and they kissed in D three, but he was a different player, and it's sort of just like merging all that. That's what I thought we were going to be. That guy walking in. No, not yeah. scooter. No one needs scooter. We need good score right yeah. now. We need some players. Um, Glove side. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's like, I, Charlie's like, this is amazing. But I mean, it's a shame you can't play in goal. Like, we need a goalie. Um, and as as Gunnar walks in, who's sort of like blocking the rest of the, the screen, the, the camera is coming over Charlie's sh- uh, shoulder. So all you can see is Charlie's shoulder and, and Gunnar stall. Gunnar walks in and Banks is still there just like with his arms around someone. Um, and then he saw Charlie's just like, what? Adam pushes him away a little bit. Who stood there? Goldberg. <laughs> Has to be. Has to be. Um, anyway, just, just all, all the like, emotions and all the, all the good scenes coming through. Silly lines like, flipping it, you did fall out of cheeseburgers, didn't you, Goldberg? Obviously, he's lost weight. He looks great. Um, come on in. They get on the ice and win, and that was all I wrote. Very short. I'm sorry. Wicked. I feel like I just binged a whole season. <laughs> you basically, you, sorry. So, so I, I was, uh, yeah, I was like the, uh, what, high-level producer, and then Aaron just like, wrote the season <laughs> including dialogue cinematography i know i'm so embarrassed i wish i could go again <laughs> honestly honestly like i think i even text simon one morning i woke up really early one morning just by accident and i couldn't sleep and i was just like flip it i'm writing this thing and i've just been writing it since like tuesday or something just on and off just like here and there and then earlier today i was like shit i've not thought of a villain all the opposite teams or anything like that. But yeah, we, we could have been here all night. I'm sorry. Sometimes the villain is, uh, you know, ourselves. Mm. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I think you need to finish it, man. Like you fleshed it so much. You need to just keep going. And just yeah, and, fill, in the, fill in the details. You can't be done yeah. now. Send it to Steve. Our Steve. How, how many <laughs> episodes were you, were you thinking were going to be in the season? Maybe like, like 10 or 12. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, when you watch something like I think I think Cobra Kai's episodes are like forty five, fifty minutes long. Is that right? They're yeah, pretty short. They're longer. Oh, I always think okay. that. I swear with Cobra Kai, when it's when it, whenever it's finished, you're always like, oh shit! But then you just put the next one straight on. But they feel like a, a lot more compact than than normal stuff. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, maybe I just enjoy well, it I that mean, much. 
exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it, like yeah, it feels like five minutes. Yeah. But I mean, even if they are like 50, 50 minutes long, that's like an hour mm-hmm. almost. Yeah, so you can, you can get a lot done in an hour. And if you've got 10 hours to do this, it's plenty. I really but like how maybe. I really like how it was um like fully focused on the adults and it was much more of like a drama than it being like uh you know sort of disney fied for like lack of a better term because I think I think Disney is complete I mean if we think about it it really has a massive repertoire now because it's like absorbed all these other companies like when you look at what mm-hmm. content on Disney Plus it's like fully varied like in a way that I was never thinking it would but like hoping it would do and so like you could imagine these i mean the way you were sort of describing it you'd imagine it more like a netflix kind of drama but there's a place for that on disney plus now um and i would be all for that i'd be all the way in on a on a version of the ducks like that so uh, yeah i thought it was awesome man appreciate it thank you man yeah it was a journey i uh i (laughs) felt some highs felt some lows um you know i got got a little teary-eyed for a moment there um, but I, I do actually really, really like the concept of, and, and this will sound weird, but like no kids, like that, that would be like totally divorced from the, you mm, know, what the yeah. ducks was, but would yeah, that would actually be a really cool step to say, you know, it's, it's just adults kind of thing. Uh, it's really cool. Actually. I would say that the thing with this, what was like, more of a challenge, I think, than even writing it was was trying to write something that was so different, so it wasn't just like someone else's that's here. Because if we'd have all and they've all been, I mean, pretty diverse. So the fact that you went in a completely different route, like it was, it was a good thing because they could have yeah. these could have all ended up easily being very similar. And and, and I know now that mine isn't like yours. So yeah, good work, man. I enjoyed it. I want to see that shit. Yeah, I mean, me too. But whether it will happen or not is a different story. Um, <laughs> I was, I was, when I was uh, cooking earlier, I was listening to D2 just to try and like, just in case I'd forgotten any little moments. And I just, <laughs> just listening to that Trinidad game and the commentary is so good. Like they're just the little bits that they're missing from game changes. Mm. Like I know that no one's commentating for peewee hockey, but I didn't bother us in 92. It doesn't need to bother yeah. us now. Just do it. Like it, it was weird. My friend come around last night and I was just like telling him about this and he goes, Oh, let's watch mighty ducks. And we watched all three last night. I fell to sleep halfway through, <laughs> D3. but we watched all three. And uh, and I never noticed before, but England aren't in the the world games, and I didn't, and I never clocked to, to why. Because maybe they'd be too close to America, the like character wise that it, they needed to have. Like, I mean, there's obviously lots of countries that's not that's not in it. It's just weird that Britain weren't in it, but I didn't even clock that until last night. I thought, where's the British guys? Like a lion on the chest or something? <laughs> the lion heart. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it just he only clocked. I only clocked that last night. No matter that's... how many times I watched that. That's a re- yeah. I've never thought about that ever. Mm. I think I've always just been so invested in Team USA. I like just haven't yeah. cared. But that's <laughs> yeah. That's that's a really good point. Because we're dog shit at ice hockey. <laughs> <laughs> so last but not least, number five, Theo. Let's hit. Let's hear it, man. Let's do this shit. And obviously, we only had a couple of days to write it, so it's not. It's not genius. There's lots of plot holes. But yeah, let's uh, let's see what I came up with. The challenge. So. Again, there's a little bit of a, it'll, we've got, it's like a synopsis slash a little bit of script scenes and stuff like that. But I'll, I'll just get straight into it. So 
So following their events at D3, the Mighty Ducks stayed together for a few more years. And after graduating, all went off to pursue various professional careers in hockey, both on and off the ice. Gordon Bombay continued his career and stayed as a high-up board member in the world of young people's hockey. However, the Ducks, as we knew them, as we know them and knew them, eventually ceased to exist. So upon all going off to pursue their new careers, the Ducks all came to an agreement that although we will always be the Ducks, the Ducks couldn't be the name of any team replaced with a new younger set of kids every few years. The Mighty Ducks were unique and special, a one-time peewee hockey team. And even though they would always fly that flag and always be known as the Ducks, the team would begin and end with the roster that we all knew and loved. So after a very respected professional hockey career, Adam Banks is forced to retire due to a wrist injury, just Mm -hmm. like you, Simon. (laughs) Uh, And with Gordon and the rest of the old team's blessing, Adam Banks decides he's going to go into coaching and he's going to put together a brand new team of Ducks on their 25th anniversary. I think that's about the right 25th anniversary. I think the time is a bit different. It's a bit more, but it's just a nice number, isn't it? So wanting to keep very much to the origins of the original team, when creating this new team of Ducks, Adam and Gordon both decide to back and rebrand the most underprivileged and underfunded team in Minnesota. And an all-new ragtag bunch of kids who all have great potential but all need some guidance are chosen to be the new age, the new age of ducks. And we see many parallels with these new ducks and the old ducks as Adam trains them and Bombay acts as their wise old overseeing hands slash Mr. Miyagi style mentor. So he's always going to be around, but it's very much Banks' team. So Word soon spreads that a new team of Ducks is on the rise, led by Adam Banks, and the show starts off as a wholesome story of all these young kids all coming together, all coming into their own, and we slowly start to learn who they all are individually, their backstories and their personalities. We discover their strengths and weaknesses and we and how they all learn in classic Ducks fashion how to work together as a team and fly together. However, within a few weeks, a few weeks of this team becoming a thing, there's word of a new team on the rise, a team that's been taking out every other team in the peewee leagues, but not just beating teams, injuring and maiming teams like some kind of kill squad. <laughs> we'll have a, we're going to have a scene. Get ready for this. <laughs> we have a big, uh, a big Ducks anniversary celebration scene where a bunch of the old Ducks come back to swearing the new Ducks. Gordon Bombay is doing a big inspiring speech about teamwork when all of a sudden the moment is cut short. And we see that the new notorious team that we've all heard so much about have turned up to crash the party. We see by the jerseys they wear, they're called the Bemidji Buckshots. Their logo, a, tar- a public enemy style crosshair. And in the middle of a, is the middle of the target is the outline of a bird, but not just any bird, a duck. Love that. Averman's going to drop it. a line like, oh, well, that's subtle. Oh. Like when he says, <laughs> well, that's inspiring. Well, that's subtle. So they all wear black, obviously but with a bit of red and also a flash of real tree duck hunting camo throughout, they look badass. As Gordon and the rest of the ducks and the ducks juniors look over to them, the buckshots let the ducks know that they have them in their crosshairs and that they're gunning for them this season. It'll be a scene very reminiscent of when USA first meet Iceland and when Rocky first meets Mr. T, when he first meets Club Lang. <laughs> so security escort all the kids away. The Ducks see this gnarly-looking team of kids, and they look fucking gnarly. They're like rago kids. These are kids that when you're young, you're scared of. You don't want nothing to do with these kids. They're a ghetto-ass team of kids. I hope it's written just like that in the script. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just got bullet points. So the Ducks see the gnarly-looking team of kids, and they all just brush it off that they're a jealous rival team, and they continue to enjoy the rest of their event. Then that night, a bunch of the OG Ducks and Bombay are all enjoying drinks and catching up, very much like that scene in Game, Ch- in game Changers. In the scene, we've got Averman, Connie and Guy, Kenny Wu, both Bash brothers, Goldberg's there, Dwayne's there, Ruiz Mendoza, Julie the Cat, 
Adam Banks and AFC Averman are all catching up and having a good time. Very much like that scene in Game Changers. I thought that was a dope scene. And then it's now last orders. The bar's pretty quiet. They're all just there. They're not, they're not pissed or anything. They're all just there enjoying it's last orders, but they've not had a catch up for a while. Everything's winding down and we hear the jingle of the doorbell. Clickling. And when someone walks in, the team turn around and the old local walks in. Kenny Wu, Portman, Dwayne, Ruiz and Julie the Cat all look confused, but the rest of the original ducks seem to know this person's face. We hear his voice. I heard you were all in town. I heard that you also met my team today. The camera pans round to reveal a face. We, the audience, also recognise, although it's distinctly changed since we last saw him. It's Dave Carp. <laughs> Goldberg. Carp, is that you? Carp. I'm surprised you even remember me after you all cut me loose. The team look confused. They can barely even remember what happened to Carp. So it's, been, it's been years since he last saw him. Carp sits down and he takes a freshly poured untouched beer from the table in front of him, which happens to be Portman's. Portman, what? Who the hell is this guy? And steps up. Fulton holds him back. Carp says, I could ask you the same question. It's the same question I asked when I saw you calling yourself a duck all them years ago. All the ducks stay standing and concerned at Carp's obviously defensive demeanour. And Carp says, I understand I've been out of town. And it's been a long time since you last saw me. Probably seems like a million years to all of you, but to me, it just seems like yesterday. Connie, what happened to you? You just disappeared. Then Guy, um, Guy, I don't even remember us having a way of contacting you after the stage. After stage, you just left because he's not in the second film. He just, there's no mention of him. Got hit Cart, in the head, didn't he? Cart begins to explain his story. So we find out that the summer after the Ducks won the States, Corp had, had to temporarily move away to Florida after his grandma fell suddenly ill. And after a couple of weeks of being there, she died. Him and his single mum had to stick around to make funeral arrangements and tie up loose ends for a few months. And then they ended up staying there for a few months, just him and his mum. And whilst they were there, his mum started drinking heavily and Corp felt very neglected. His mum had always had a problem with drinking depression, but this was something that really tipped her over the edge. Feeling alone and in a strange place, place he'd never been to before with no friends. He was really looking forward to getting back and rejoining his team. When he eventually gets back, it was just after the start of the new hockey season, just after the start. So he heads, so his first night, he heads over to the Ice Palace rink for training, excited to rejoin his friends, only to find the doors closed, the lights off, and nobody's there. His smiles and excitement turn to discourage. So he heads home and he thinks, I'll just catch up with him at school tomorrow. Maybe practice is on a different night now. But when he gets to school, none of the ducks can be found. He's looking all over for him. So he asks around a few people, like, you're where are the ducks? And he goes, haven't you heard? Pull out a full-page spread. A kid shows him a full-page spread of uh, Sports Illustrated magazine showing a two-page spread, Team USA Hockey. All his old duck friends and some new random members that he don't recognise all standing together. So in the time he's been away, Peter and Terry have now fallen in with different crowds. They're not that bothered about hockey anymore. Tommy and Tammy have both gone off to continue their figure skating. Everybody had moved on except for Carp, who had come home after a tragic few months to find everything that he had gone. So all his former teammates and coach on cereal boxes while he has to go home and see his mum on the couch passed out with a bottle in her hand. So he did try out for other sports. He tried out for football and baseball, but he, all the other sports, but he was just too out of shape to do them. All he could ever do was hockey. That was all he was ever good at. And his team that he loved, that had always told him that ducks fly together, had all flown off without him. So I've always having a bad temper, Carp. He always had a temper. <laughs> and now with no one around him to reel him in when he gets too crazy, he finds himself at a downward spiral that landed him in a detention centre, a juvenile detention centre, and then later on in jail. So whilst in jail, 
He shed all of his extra pounds, pump weights, and he got jacked. Because if you see him now, he's jacked, this guy. He heard on the news, so um, he got jacked in jail. Where are we? So if, um... <laughs> Oh, yeah, and whilst all the ducks were going off to get college scholarships and later becoming professional hockey players, he was in and out of jail and prison with nothing but all the time in the world to think about how his life would have been different if he'd have, become a, if he'd have gone on to play for Team USA. So shortly after coming out of jail for his most recent incarceration, he heard on the news that the Ducks were making a comeback and he saw this as an opportunity to get his revenge. He collects a big money debt that's owed to him for not writing some people out when he got locked up and he uses a big chunk of it to set up and fund his own team. He knows the exact place to do his recruiting. Back at the Bermuda Juvenile Detention Centre. Who's from Minnesota here? It's someone from Minnesota and he can... Uh, Bermuda is like the wor- one of the worst crime areas in Minnesota from what I researched. I mean, Bermid- Bermidji. You're talking about B- Bermidji. Bermidji, yeah. The Bermidji bookshop. So he goes back to the Bermidji Juvenile Detention Centre where he once attended and he convinces the officials that he's turned his life around. He wants to make a difference in the community and by getting their most violent kids to play hockey, he can get them back on a straight and positive path. It's all bullshit, of course, but it works. And after a few weeks, he's manufactured a hockey team with one sole purpose, to destroy the Ducks. A pack of wild dogs, a whole team of Bash Brothers, all on the leash of ex-con and ex-duck Dave Karp. News reports. <laughs> amazing. News reports, podcasts and kids watching viral social media videos that people have filmed at hockey games, all fillers in of the individual members of the bookshots, all handpicked by Karp specifically for their notorious and unpredictable behaviour. And we'll all see all the different characters amongst the team and really get to know who they are. I want us to really get to know these guys as well. A bunch of kids who are, who are uh, as, as a, a bunch of kids who are just as interesting in the Ducks, just a lot more ghetto. So the series will build up to Carp and his team gunning for the Ducks, injuring and taking out every other team in the league. We also see them go against another well-known team of badasses and current state championship, current state champions, the Hawks, who are now all being coached by former Hawk member Peter McGill. That one's for you, Simon. Still wearing the same jersey as well. No change, but the Hawks are the, the, Hawks are the top badass team like they always were. Now they're back at the top. So we'll also continue to follow the new team of Ducks. Oh, where, where are we at? Hang on, I've lost my thing now, getting excited. This yeah. is absolutely <laughs> amazing. This is crazy. So, player McGill, so he now runs the Hawks. So we're going to have a dope scene where we see the two big bads go against each other, the Bookshots versus the Hawks in a very heated match where the Hawks put up a really good fight at first but eventually just get decimated, showing that in the time that the Ducks are training to get good, Carp is also wasting no time in turning his team into not only violent goons but also a very good hockey players, really building up to what a problem the book shots are going to be for the Ducks when they inevitably go against them in the final episode. So we'll all continue to follow the new team of Ducks to get to know all those kids individually as well and understand their fear of going up against such a notorious team. Very much like the Cobra Kai thing, although we've got like the, the nice kids and the evil kids, we still get to know them all individually. So we still kind of like both because we know we know both teams. So towards the end of the series, Adam Banks gets really wary of how the book shots want to not only beat the Ducks in the finals, but also violently take them out and considers pulling them out of the States altogether. He's just like, no, I don't want to put my kids out there with them because they're animals. So at this point, however... The bookshots, they're having the time of their life. They've gone from being held up in a juvenile detention centre in Bemidji, Bemidji, whatever we call it, to travel to travel around as a successful and notorious hockey team. And they fear that without a chance to beat the Ducks, Carp will just disband them and send them back where he found them. Connecting us with the audience and their situation a little bit more because they're like, yo, if, if we don't go against the Ducks that we've been manufactured to do, then we, we have no purpose. We're just going to get sent back to Juve. So behind Coach Carp's back, 
the Buckshots decide to sabotage Adam Banks before he has the chance to pull the Ducks out of the game. And in the middle of the night, they cut the brake fluid to his car, which results in Adam being in a huge car crash the following morning, Jesus leading to him being laid up and unconscious in hospital. Nobody is wonder wiser that the Buckshots did this to Banks' car and also have no idea that he was planning the Ducks out of the tournament. So this is very important. He's now unconscious in hospital. So no one knew that they were going to pull the Ducks out of there. So Gordon, thinking fast on his feet and unable to coach the Ducks himself due to some legal bullshit. I just wrote some legal technical bullshit. He can't teach. He can't coach it for some reason. He makes a call to draft in a last-minute coach for the Ducks, an old friend, former Duck, and current coach of the professional adult Mighty Ducks, Charlie Conway. Another similarity with you there, Simon. So this will be Charlie's big comeback episode. And whilst Adam is laid up in hospital, Charlie takes over and trains the kids for one weekend before the final big game against the Buckshots. So... The night before the big game, Corp finally finds out about Adam's accident and he finds out that it's his kids that's done it and feeling like very responsible for what's happened. He decides to go and visit Adam while he's unconscious in hospital. He doesn't like Adam. He doesn't like the ducks, but he didn't want anyone to die. That wasn't his intention. He wanted to beat him and beat him on the ice. He didn't want to kill him. He didn't, especially didn't want to kill Adam. So he just builds up to this. still some good in him and, we have some, and he still has some sort of hazy loyalty to Adam as a former friend. So... While he's sat next to Adam's bed and Adam is unconscious, we hear the squeaking of a wheelchair roll past the room and then roll back on itself. We hear a voice, Carp. Carp looks up and we see in the wheelchair is a doctor and we see the name of his badge, Tommy Duncan. Dr. <laughs> Thomas Duncan. Carp notices him instantly and in the room rolls his old team duck member, Tommy. This is the first time that we see Carp interact with one of the original Mighty Ducks who didn't go on to become part of Team USA. Tommy explains to him that after going into figure skating, he ended up suffering a real back injury, a real bad injury with his back in his late teens, and it cut his career short and it wound him up in a wheelchair. We found out that he too went through a bit of a downward spiral after the accident, drinking and not taking care of himself. But he realized that even though he couldn't walk anymore, he still had his brain and his heart, and that it wasn't too late for him to look into a different profession. And that's when he decided to study medicine. He said that in becoming a doctor also inspired his sister Tammy to study medicine as well. She now works at the hospital as a very high up heart and brain surgeon who saved the lives of many people over the years. Tommy also tells him that it was his mom that made him stop playing for the Ducks and to go into figure skating when he would have rather played hockey. And that in the end, it wound up in paying the ultimate price. And he knows that he can't hate his mom because sometimes life just deals you a shit sandwich. And it's about how we as people handle those situations. And it's our choice. We all have a choice and that we can't stay bitter and let the hate and anger take us over because we have to realise it's never too late to make a change. So Carp's going to leave the hospital now with um, with a change of, kind of got a change of heart. He's seeing Tommy in the wheelchair, being positive after everything that's happened to him and not holding grudges against people for a life that could have been. And also seeing Adam unconscious laid up in hospital. He feels a bit differently about things, but either way, Tomorrow morning, his team that he's trained to do nothing to do nothing but play hockey and destroy the Ducks are going up against them in the morning. And although he's starting to feel differently about the situation, he kind of just needs to stick to his original plan. So the following morning, the final episode plays out. The Ducks coached by Charlie Conway and Bombay on side against the Buckshots coached by Carp. This is the final big episode and all of the original cast members are all going to come back to make cameos against the crowd. We've got lots of people like doing shoot interviews off camera talking about talking about how, how it's like the, the big the big game the big game that the ducks are going to be playing. So we've got all the original ducks back. And we also see that Averman and Russ Tyler are two of the special guest commentators for the game. They were always guys that like to talk a lot, so I thought they'd be good on commentary. The first half of the game, Carp keeps encouraging the cheap shots and the ducks are getting beat badly, with four of the ducks all in the injured box by the first half. 
the second half starts and the bookshots go straight back into attack mode. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of his eye, Corp notices somebody being escorted to the side of the ring in a wheelchair and a neck brace. It's Adam Banks looking much better than he did yesterday. He's been pushed by Tammy, and Tommy also pulls up alongside him in the wheelchair. He notices that over to him walk Jesse, Terry and Peter, and they all hug and shake hands. And of course, they're all wearing the OG duck jerseys. We then see them wave across to the other ducks. And as Corp looks around, we slowly see every duck from every movie are in all the stands. Even Coach Ryan, Charlie's mum, Jesse and Terry's dad and Lewis the limo driver have all made the trip to support <laughs> the ducks on their big game. Charlie on Bombay notice that Adam has turned up for the game and he calls the ref for a timeout and all the ducks head over to greet Adam. The kids are ecstatic to see their coach at the game and obviously in better health and not not in a hospital. And it's nothing but pure joy around him. Everything goes slow motion and we hear the jingle of that classic Mighty Ducks theme from the first movie. And Carp can't help but smile to himself as he looks at how happy the kids are and also seeing all the old ducks together and the new ducks together, everyone together, makes him realise that no matter where life took everybody, where they're all at peace with the fact that whether you were a duck for one season or for 10, a mighty duck is for life. So Carp also calls his team back. And then he says to his team that there's a change of plan. He informs them all that for the rest of the game, he needs them to start playing fair. They're confused. He says, look, win or lose, you're my team. And I know what you think about me, but I promise that I won't let you go once this is over. You've all proved your loyalty to me, to each other. You've all worked so hard to get here, and from now on, I don't want you to play any unnecessary offence. Just go out there and play the game and have a good time. The team said, but if we play fair, we'll lose. And he says, you went from being juvenile offenders to playing in the finals of the state championship against the Mighty Ducks. All of you have already won. So the final game plays out with a fierce but fair game. The Ducks taking the W, but only by one point. And as both kids, teams of kids shake hands and congratulate each other, Cart walks over to the Ducks and shakes hands with Charlie and Gordon and Adam, who Tammy's now wheeled onto the ice. Gordon tells Cart that for what it's worth, they're sorry and that he makes a great coach and he played a great game for the second half, at least. He then tells him that he can't wait to see how they do next season and that he's looking forward to seeing where the game takes the book shots next. So the episode's going to play out with a montage of We Are The Champions, of course, showing photographs taken at the event. We see mixed up pictures of all the ducks, old and new, all taking selfies together, having random press shots all stood together. And we see articles and blog posts. We see a shot of the ducks all holding up the trophy saying ducks back where they belong. We see... There's a shot of all the Bemidji book shots together. It says from Juvie Hall to second place. And then we see a shot of Charlie, Adam, Carp and Bombay all stood together. And then that pans out to every duck all in a shot together on the front of a blog. And it says ducks fly forever, which will also be the title of my series. The end. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Amazing. That was crazy. My friend. You. I have so much. Wow. I have so much to say. <laughs> so much to say i just have to just say before 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 we even go any further theo if you do if you don't design a t-shirt that has the buckshots logo on it that, that i can buy i'll be horribly horribly upset just for you. The rest of my life please um i second that too like there's so much about that that's just so brilliant i i was like picturing the the buckshots as like uh, Simon Phoenix's like team of criminals in like yeah, demolition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I tried to use the fact that like Cop is hench now and he's and he and he's still acting. Do you know what I mean? And I thought I can I write that in and then 
thought having by having him as the guy that because he's never mentioned again that he that he, he got like we as the audience forget about him. So when he does turn up, you're like, fuck, man, caught like no way, and he and he plays the story perfectly because how different he looks now. And that was but, a big part that a lot of the ducks that didn't transfer over. It's like what happened to them. Um, so I think that's great that you incorporated that, and then seeing it sort of. It's not like Cobra Kai, but having that, seeing the the story that we don't know, you know, and from someone else's perspective, I think that's a really cool way to go into it, into the universe. What, what did you guys think? <laughs> I, I thought it was brilliant. I mean, just the fact that he used Cart, like the most forgotten duck, I think. Yeah, I think so. Like, brilliant. I, Man, you yeah. guys did like, you guys all like all killed it, like lines and details and scenes. I must have misunderstood this assignment, but <laughs> it was so fun uh, to just like listen to what you guys came up with. Yeah, the the lazy Americans, as uh, uh, as that we've been called in uh, in D two. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that was fucking great. I just wrote down like some words of this, and I was like, "Kill Squad, great, book shots, great." full team of bash brothers amazing like i love that there are two antagonist teams as well meeting because we just we yeah, never really that. got that like i just love that concept hawks. yeah yeah, love yeah the, concept, the so, hawks meeting yeah. the bookshots that's just like <laughs> that's what i wanted yeah i wanted it to be like fierce do you know what i mean just but epic I think doing that, you also build up to like these guys. They're not just like bullies on the ice. They can actually whoop a good team now. Yeah. So they've like got everything. Because like, like you were saying, like a few of you were saying about the villains. And I thought like it's important to like build them up as much. So just trying to do that as best I could, you know what I mean, with my little one. I didn't do any villains and you did too. So, I mean, this is why, <laughs> this is why Simon didn't plan this. But this is why you end with a film writer. This That was just like, fucking want to see it. That was great. That was awesome. Figure out the the tone, or like, you know, what what are we looking like? And I, when you were describing it, have you guys seen the movie Goon? Yeah, no Goon. Yeah. Yeah. So like, super violent hockey, like you know, bloody knuckles kind of stuff. I was thinking that combined with like, it's on AMC, or you know, it's like the, those kind of like very very dark, like literally cinematic dark, and uh, you know the the more adult version uh, of uh, kind of you know, throwing it out there raw awesome job that try, was... try to write in a way because like oh, if you just how how the ducks look now and how how they might play into it like how can i use that to utilize the character and like that's why i'd like no that was awesome you're a master <laughs> and i think too well from the the few here uh I think there there's an opportunity to have like the adult version of Game Changers, right? Or just the uh, the grown up version. Uh, it doesn't have to be so you know brutal, I suppose. But uh, I, I didn't want it super brutal. I just don't want yeah. it to be wholesome. It's very much about the kids. I just want it when when like there's there's just them few left field moments where you're like, oh man, these are these are right bad kids. You know what I mean? And as much as but, but at the same time, showing enough about them to know why they're bad. Because yeah, you always feel like kids yeah. aren't just like in, inherently evil. They, they they would just be whoever's pulling the strings is going to make them worse and and we, we saw how carp ended up in juve that might be how all of those kids ended up in juve and why they're not and how they, they feel the need to do the stuff because if we don't beat the ducks we've got no purpose for like a, a terminator when he's terminated who he needs to terminate he might as well go into lava because he's uh he's he's he's, he's, he's his mission's done so i wanted to try and 
feed into not none of the kids are actually inherently evil but th- there's a reason why they're like this and if we follow them both i mean i wanted to flesh out more i wrote like a bit where where cop had like a brother who was a real good football player and that's how he had the helmet in the first film when he was playing he has a little football helmet <laughs> on but it's a half brother and his half brother's from like a nice part of the family with money and stuff like that his, his half brother's really athletic and things so we always kind of resented him I, I had all little bits that i would i just took out because it was just too much <laughs> the backstory the backstory you wrote for cop was perfect Wicked. like literally just perfect just so, oh sorry i um, i was gonna say i don't think you copied from cobra kai whatsoever but your what you came up with is a lot so many people want to compare game changers what we have to cobra kai and what you wrote is way more how i it, think mine would be definitely more in tone with cobra kai yeah yes absolutely yeah. I, I also had him go around different juvenile, uh, different detention centers getting kids, like the, picking out the worst of the worst. But then I remembered that when I watched it again yesterday with the state lines, it wouldn't have been allowed. It had about to be from one place. So I did them as the Bemidji bookshots and they were just all from Bemidji in that detention center. Because otherwise it would have been like Cobra Kai when Kreese is just going all over, just getting all these these gnarly kids to be in his... in his Yeah, hawk. And speaking yeah. for the state, uh, Bemidji is actually really nice. Like the, there's, really? it's very it beautiful. Nice? There's, there's lakes all over the place. It's a, it's a, it's a nice place. But for the story, we'll, we'll, well, when I, I typed in like worst crime states in Minnesota, and Bemidji was there all the time, and I needed to start, I started with B for the book shots because I was like, what kills a duck? Bookshot. Well, you, you need alliteration. That's, that's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. Why. So in my world, <laughs> Bemidji is horrible. It's like a skit from New York. <laughs> when in reality, like one old lady ran a red light last year and yeah, that's yeah. the worst crime breaking yeah. news <laughs> i i think that it's really uh clever as well because if you think back to to the first ducks when you've got rest in peace to lane smith he gives like such an amazing performance as coach riley um and i i he's my favorite character in yeah, yeah. in in the yeah. in, maybe all of the movies like i i love really? his performance in it but he's saying things like you know um if you you know you blow this game no one makes the team next year and he's yeah, sort of yeah. like playing i mean he sort of becomes good in the end but it's they're being led by someone and like like they say in cobra kai is no such thing as a bad student only a bad teacher and it kind of falls into that but it ups the levels because that's what we do with things like you look at horror movies from you know now and to you know from like the 80s i mean uh, I'm probably talking to the wrong crowd here because I know Fia, you know all about this, and I don't really. But you know, the the shock value and things are we're more immune to it. So yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you have to up the levels, and I think, and and there is that audience there because look at all of us and how passionate we are about it. There, there is that audience that I think you could have game changes, and then you could also have this adult version, and I think it would be awesome. I'd love to see it. Yeah, I think I was thinking of that earlier because I mean I know we're rewri- rewriting game changes, but game change game changes is great. Like I love it. Said. That's why I didn't want to rewrite game changes because yeah, yeah. I was like, I think it's great. I just do something so different like you did, just something that's completely a different different exactly. world. See, I, exactly. I thought that's what the assignment was more to what would we do to current game changers? Like we're kind of keeping it as it is, but what changes would we make? That's why mine came across as so lazy and short, and I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I wasted your time. No, no, we're just we're this a pilot. Yes. We're piloting this out. I mean, I have no idea how this is going to work, but yeah. I think all all of the pitches were great. I've enjoyed hearing all of them. But let's 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 go into our into our final part here. Okay, so in in the chat function, so that it's private, all you need to do is hit me with 
who was number one and who was number two and then i'll work out the points and then people in the comments let us know which pitch you want to have made and why you liked it keep it all positive we're doing this for the love of it the result of who came in as number one is the most least suspenseful thing i've ever been a part of (laughs) and you did it jason you won so yes (laughs) everyone like my lazy uh five second synopsis Hey, uh, you just establish a baseline that's pretty low. You come I, back I player of the year. Purpose. I did this on purpose. The results are in. But like I said, these results aren't what matter. These are just our opinions. What matters is what everyone thinks is subjective. Just let us know in the comments. And, uh, you know, there is no wrong opinion here. So of our votes here privately, I can let you know that coming in runner up number two, the silver medal iceland in the junior goodwill games is me nice one <laughs> i take that i take that i'm i'm proud of that um Very well done and i'm sure maybe to nobody's surprise <laughs> coming in number one gold team usa the champions is theo no way really <laughs> i thought you thought mine was like just fun and silly Oh, I appreciate that. That's wicked. You're our reigning champion, nice man. Nice one. I'm the reigning champion. But what that does mean is we all want to buy a Buckshots team. Oh, I thought you were saying that means everyone's gunning for the top spot now. <laughs> <laughs> the next one, all right, it's got to be just as good. No, yeah, you're the champ, first. man. If we had a title, like a WWE-style title belt, you'd be holding that oh, right nice now. Nice one. I just want to sincerely say thank you to everyone. Like I said, there is no right or wrong. You know, it's all subjective. Uh, I loved them all. Uh, It was so much fun. You can follow me and all this sort of stuff on Instagram at Simon Podcasts. Where can people catch you at? At Theo underscore Kane, C-A-N-E underscore Slimehouse. That's where I'm the most active is on Instagram, I would say, yeah. And I'll put I'll put all the links in uh cool. you know beneath in the description. Aaron, where can people get uh, you? You can get me at Kiki and ninety one on Instagram. That's where he will be wielding the sword. Connor at Jersey Chasing on Instagram for the dopest collection of Scream War <laughs> Mighty Ducks Joe's jerseys. I'm gonna add I'm gonna add Connor on Instagram. I didn't know he had the Instagram. Oh, you're going to lose your mind, man, when you see it. (laughs) It's the envy of everyone. And Jason, where can people catch you at? Uh, Daniel LaRusso is going to fight. I love that. (laughs) So all of them links will be below. Uh, You know, catch up with everybody on there. It's a great community of, you know, passionate, diehard Mighty Ducks fans. And let us know what your pitch would be. Like, we want to hear it. And uh, if people enjoy this, you know, maybe we'll do more of these and we can, you know, give our own pitches for for other movies and TV shows. But sincerely, thank you to everybody here. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for doing this. This was fun. I'm telling you. You blow this game and nobody makes a team next year.